one day right along in there, uh, you know, a few different things happened, but one of the profound things was I came home from work kind of stressed out one day. And I came in the door and the kids were fighting. And that that kind of tipped me over, like, ah. And I, I launched into them. Kids, don't you know? And I'm coming home and I'm tired and you're fighting and you're bickering is not okay. Give me that magazine. They were fighting over a magazine at the dining room table. My oldest son, ninth grade at the time, I think, or, or so, looks up at me and just says, hey, dad, you didn't connect first. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, he's right. But because he had permission to say that, already the back of this defiance was broken a little bit. And then I said, you're right, I'm sorry, can I have a do-over? Which for us was a big thing. If I wasn't the kind of parent I want to be, can I have a do-over? Uh, if we weren't the kind of people we wanted to be, let's do a do-over. If you came in the door and threw your stuff around the way that we've been talking not to, um, why don't you make that right today by just having a do-over and doing it again the way we've talked about it. And let's see how that goes. But so I went out into the garage, I prayed, I calmed myself, I, I came back in with my do-over and already the kids were calmer. They were more receptive to me, I to them, and connection was restored and we went on in a, you know, a very constructive way with our lives. But th I, that's not a formula I can teach people or that we can teach people to do. It's a set of four ideas that you grow in, that you steep in, that live with you, that grow with you uh, as the Spirit makes it uniquely your journey as a parent to deliver the messages of grace and truth to your kids in the nitty-gritty stuff of life. You're listening to episode 81 of the God Center Mom podcast, and this is part two of my interview with Jim and Lynn Jackson from ConnectedFamilies.org. And I've already heard some great feedback from y'all after listening to part one. I just, isn't it refreshing, their framework, their four messages, um, which we only really got into two of those messages, the first two of you are safe, the foundation layer, and you are loved, which is the connection layer. Today, we're going to go into the next two layers. Um, briefly, we're going to talk about coaching, and Lynn and Jim have some great insights on how to reframe the misbehaviors we're seeing in our kids. And then the last layer, the one that we usually go to first, but uh, I think Jim and Lynn have kind of showed you God's true intention when he uh, set up parent and child relationships the last layer is the correction layer and how we just help our children realize that they are the ones responsible to make right what they have made wrong. So uh, I know you're going to enjoy every word that Jim and Lynn say, and they do uh, share a couple of more resources. If you are just, this is just kind of whetting your appetite and you are looking for more information about how to implement some of their connection Connected Family Ideas, uh, make sure you check out their website and they are up an online course they're going to be launching in October. Uh, and I have a link to that in the show notes over at GodCenterMom.com. And if you stick around because this episode, uh, because I split the interview into two parts and the second part is a little bit shorter, I am going to be back at the end of the episode sharing some of my insights and thoughts from my week at family camp. And uh, I don't know, God is good and I'm feeling full and I want to share some of that with y'all. So some camp insights coming up at the end of the episode. All right, let's get right to the interview. Here we go. Yeah, I'd mentioned that at the beginning of, of the call, you know, let's say instead of lecturing, I've decided to ask questions. So if I see two boys fighting, instead of saying, stop fighting with the other, how, you know, treat each other special, blah, 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 and going into my lecture saying, you know, pointing to one and, you know, directing my voice to one and saying, now, would you like it if someone did that to you? Just, you know, getting their brain to work. And when they respond with, 
Yeah? I'm like, I want to strangle you. That's not the response I was going for. That's not how this is supposed to go. Right. And, uh, and I could, you know, then go into a lecture of, you know, go back into my lecture. So I do like, I like that. What identity, what are you, mm-hmm. what are, what is God calling you to again? Because we could want to be all the moms and God hasn't called us to be all the moms. I'm not going to be the creative mom and the athletic mom and the super engaging fun mom, all the moms, but he may be calling me and there may be an unsettlement in my spirit that I am not walking in the path that he has called me to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I like that. Your question, Heather, your example really um, moves us to the next principle, which is coach, which is really focused on how can I bring out the best in my child? How can I teach and train and encourage them, um, help them to sort of discover the path that God has you know, created for them and using their unique gifts? And, and that can even show up in misbehavior. Mm-hmm. And thoughtful questions can help a child um, in the midst of behavior. Uh, a question of, would you like it if so-and-so did this to you can so quickly trigger a child's shame of, I don't want to say yes, because then I have to admit I've done something wrong. So yeah, okay. thoughtful and creative, like there was a time that um, <clears throat> Daniel thought Bethany's paper needed his elder expertise. And so he started to color on it. She grabbed it and ripped it and was, you know, upset with him. And he was upset with her, you know, so, because she had... Um, not she rejected his help, and you know they were both mad at each other, and and so I, I just let's calm down a little bit, and we'll see if we can figure out a way to to solve this problem here. And so then I started to weave a story that sort of created a scenario when Daniel was uh, that an imaginary scenario where Daniel was in Bethany's shoes. Um, you know, she just really wanted to put a propeller on his cool Lego plane, yeah. and he didn't do it and it broke you know how would you what, what do you think you might feel does that does that make sense to you Daniel um what do you think you might feel he goes oh I'd be mad about that so you know to come in with our kids and coach them when they're struggling with an attitude of we're all learners and discoverers and let's see if we can figure out a solution to this um really it, it does it's not like this trick that works every time but it it begins to instill an identity in kids that I'm learning and I'm growing and it's okay to struggle and it's okay to mess up and I can grow and change as well. So one of the things we teach parents about in this sort of coach principle in the heat of the moment discipline is that a lot of times if we look and are thoughtful, the the misbehavior of our kid is actually, if our child is actually rooted in um, their God-given gift coming out twisted by sin kind of, we call it the gift gone awry. So for example, our oldest son, classic, he bossed his siblings terribly, and I would boss him to not boss his siblings. Um, But it was actually a gift of leadership, and he owns his own little company now. He really did have that potential. And when I said to him, Daniel, you know, it seems like you've got some really good leadership gifts, but you know, how you're using them right now, I don't think is leading you towards the best way to develop them and use them for God's purposes in the future. Would you want me to help you with that? Mm. Yeah, it was all ears because I was really identifying that gift, good gift under the surface that was coming out awry. So that's just one example of how we can coach our kids in the heat of the moment. There's lots of other things and we 
help parents understand just the art of asking thoughtful questions and giving really viable choices and things like that. Well, and you guys have a post, don't you? One of your top posts is 12 misbehaviors and their gifted, or there's another wording you said. It's 12 misbehaviors and the gifts behind them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'll put a link to that to make sure people can check that out. Yeah, that's great because this is really a new concept for parents, but it's, you know, it's really... If you look at the Apostle Paul and you look at Peter and they were doing some really gnarly things with their Totally. Kids. Yeah. If you ever studied Strength Finders, actually the guy who started Strength Finders is a Christian. Yeah. So he has the this church book about, you know, getting people to use their strengths in the church and not just deciding they're gonna be a greeter just because that's an opening. But <laughs> like that. Paul, you know, if you think about his passion, his intensity, it was just as intense to persecute the church as it was to spread the gospel. It was just misdirected. Yeah. Uh, he, he should have been severely punished, if not disciplined with death for that. Yeah. But God turned him 180 degrees, and, and instead of destroying the church, he built the church. So it was. it's just an amazing example of that. So our last principle in this little triangle, we've got connect, and then on top of that, when our kids feel loved, we can coach them and bring out the best in them, teach values and skills, even in the midst of misbehavior. And then the little triangle that's at the top of the big triangle, sitting in you know, sort of the third story, or even the attic, so to speak, um, is uh, about correct. Mm. And that is um, having a discipline consequences that really, and a, and a whole structure for discipline that gives kids the responsibility to make right what was made wrong. So we feel that effective discipline puts responsibility in the child to make right what was made wrong. Mm. Like that. Responsibility on the child to make right what went wrong. So give us an example of a correction situation. Well, uh, um, another classic example is sibling conflict. And um, uh, Daniel was very uh, assertive, even aggressive, uh, frequently with his younger sister. And so we would, you know, we would guide them to talk this out and to reconcile. And you know, we have steps for doing that um, that we followed. But then when it was done, we said, "Now, Daniel, you used your hands to hurt Bethany. So would you want to use your hands to?" to help her and serve her now, because that's what God really created your hands for. And then he would often like make her chocolate milk or something like that. And so in that process, she would morph from victim to princess, and he would morph from boy in trouble to knight in shining armor. Yeah. And the, the princess and the knight played very well together after that process. And he, you know, maybe he would get a little sip at the end or something, but it really reunited their hearts. And then I remember, you know, on a number of occasions just saying, look at your faces right now. You're just so full of joy. And that's because you're living out the heart that Jesus gave for you. So bringing it back to that level of belief, um, not behavior and identity of this is who I am. God has given me a love for my sibling. And sometimes I forget that and get off track. Um, but I can make my conflicts right so I can protect um, my relationships with the, the most important people. Yeah, I mean, in a practical sense, so if you, if you like, this is real easy when kids spill milk, right? If they, if they look at you and sort of defiantly spill their milk a little bit, yeah. they're young at the table, we invite them to make it right. You know what? When you spill your milk, you clean it up. Here's the rag, right? Mm. Um, um, when you mistreat your sister, you've, you've spilled figurative milk on the relationship. <laughs> it's your job, uh, and I'll come alongside you as a helper, not as a condescending forcer of this, 
but uh, you know, even as the even after the model of God's Spirit in correcting us, I'm going to come alongside you as your helper to make right what you have made wrong, to repent from what you did, and to restore that relationship, to clean up the mess, you, the relational mess that you made. Mm. Um, you know, the same is true of of you know, if a kid goes shoplifting. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's, it, it seems like that's a more natural thing. Like, gosh, you 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 stole something from the store. Uh, and my, actually, I, I, my grandpa intuitively did this with me as a seven or an eight-year-old kid. I mean, instead of punishing me and grounding me from going fishing this afternoon or the rest of the week or whatever, he said, wow, you stole from that store. Do you know what it's like to be them? Mm. Let's go find out. I want you to go back and I want you to tell them what you've done and I want you to ask them what you can do to make up for it. Mm. And he sent me back into the store and I, you know, and that was, so now instead of feeling the wrath of grandpa, <laughs> and feeling punished by that, I was feeling internally uh, icky, which is a, a feeling I think the Bible calls guilt. <laughs> I was guilty. And it's and, a consequence in itself. And it's the yeah, consequence it of behaving out of alignment with how God created me to act. And, and my job is to reconcile my guilt, to make things right. And when I did it, then Grandpa welcomed me with open arms at the door of the store, and he said, Great job, Jimmy. I'm proud that you took care of that and took responsibility for that. Now let's go celebrate. And he brought me to the A&W up the street. Yeah. I never stole in front of Grandpa again. <laughs> in front of Grandpa. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> because he graced me and I had no desire to do that when I was in his presence. Right. Yeah. requested by him. Because well, he invited and if, and if there was And if there was a lecture, if all of the feeling was anger and shame, there wouldn't be room for the feeling of guilt, right? You can only feel one thing right. at a time. Right. Yeah. That's it. Mm. And so we're so quick to move into punish mode, take a, take away a privilege, ground you, spank you, whatever the, whatever the habit is that we've been taught to use, um, that it takes the, immediately takes the focus off of the natural impact that the child might be feeling if we gave them space to feel it of their own guilt. Yeah. And recognizing the impact on other people. Yep. So parents tend to default to things like, you lose computer for two weeks because you hit your sister. Well, how does that relate? And then that just that feeds the disconnect between parents and kids because it's not rational. The kids don't learn from it. They just feel manipulated and, and controlled and criticized. And, so, and they may not hit their sister because they don't want to lose the computer, but that's not an internal motivation of right. guilt That's and, and restoring and making right what they've made wrong. That's about, I selfishly want to make sure I can use the computer whenever I want. Yeah. Yes, that has always bothered me. We've, you know, we've tried everything. I'm kind of a clipperly gibbet. I don't know. I flit around all the time, all over the place, try different methods all the time. And, you know, the times when we say, oh, we're going to take away whatever, screen time, whatever it is, I feel like all it does is make screen time an idol more. Absolutely. You've nailed it on the head. Parents don't even realize that they're complicit in their kids' screen addiction because the kids have to fight. It's almost like a golem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my precious, my precious. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the more kids have to fight for it, the more they build their identity around, this is who I am and you're attacking me. Mm. So, so these make it right consequences are really an example of Galatians 6.1. It says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit as defined by um, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 and following right before it, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Mm. Not punish them quickly and severely, but restore them, bring restoration to the relationship. So what we 
what we often tend to do is just punish, punish, punish. Kids leave home at age 18. They have no sense of how to function in the body of Christ because they haven't truly taken responsibility for their sin and restoring relationships when they are broken. So imagine if we could send everyone out into their place in the body of Christ with a passion for connecting well, encouraging others, and then when they mess up, owning that and making it right. We'd have a whole different church uh, growing uh, in, in our world today. Wow. I am, this is so much to chew on. I feel like you've just revolutionized even our home just <laughs> in this last 45 minutes. I mean, seriously, because I'm even thinking, I'm trying, you know, as you're talking, I'm trying to process through different scenarios where we struggle in our home. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, sometimes we'll have really bad attitudes that are just rampant. But a lot of times the source of those bad attitudes are my bad attitude. So that goes back to the foundation. And then there's, you know, the sibling stuff or the bickering or the he hits and he hits. And that would be nipped in the bud if they each felt connected to me. Right. They wouldn't be fighting for my attention. Or or I think I create a an environment of misbehavior gets caught and disciplined. And so he's pointing out, well, so-and-so just did this, which is making me crazy because there's tattletaling and there's no peace. So, Wow. Yeah. And Heather, what this model has done for a lot of parents like you when they hear it, uh, we actually, this is years ago, we, we made a presentation of this little framework of ideas at a local rotary club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love and it. You, you, get, you get 24 minutes to do, do the thing. It's and like so a Linda, TED Talk, but rotary. Yeah. It's yeah, kind of right. like that. And it's back and forth and back and forth as fast as we can and get through the thing. And and we do it and, you know, people talk to us a little bit afterwards and whatever. And, and, you know, then you do it and you move on to the next thing and you kind of don't think about it again for a long time. Well, seven years after that meeting, literally, a mom came up to me. She saw me in Target. She said, I don't know if you remember me or not, but I was in that Rotary Club that you were part of and you gave that talk. And it, and it changed me forever. Wow. And I live by that little framework every day. Mm. And, and another pastor who heard this, you know, again, some years later said, these, these four ideas have become the ballast in, in our boat. Mm. And, and, uh, and the beauty of it is, is that there's not a method you talked about. Yeah, I try a whole bunch of different methods. Fantastic. Do it. Try lots of different ideas. Look to, but don't look to the method as the cure. Look to the method as a way to communicate your messages that you've decided are so important and at the core of the kind of parent that you want to be. And then so name the parent you want to be. And this little framework has helped a lot of parents do that. And, and either they've said, yeah, that's the kind of parent I want to be, or they've adapted it a little bit for themselves mm. uh, and made it their own. And then they've told their families about it. Mm. They've said this is the kind of, and they've even asked the families, what kind of family do we want to be? Here's what mom and dad have been thinking about. What, what do you kids think? And we want to be a family where God's grace and God's truth come to life. These are the four ideas we're working on. What do you think, kids? And most of the time, kids will say, well, those are good. Fine. Can we go play? <laughs> Yeah, you really need to implement it, and then they'll come along. Yeah, Yeah. they've said it out loud, and so for Lynn and I, we said it out loud, and then our kids were, you know, getting on in years, and literally as our oldest was approaching junior high, we sometimes looked at each other and said, is this, are we nuts? Like, (laughs) is this really bearing fruit in in our kids' lives? Mm. No, because they still acted up the way impulsive, ADHD, closely in age, closely in proximity kids act, and and we would do what we do, and, and sometimes they would comply and sometimes they wouldn't and we would still get frustrated and then one day right along in there uh, you know a few different things happened but one of the profound things was I came home from work kind of stressed out one day yeah and I came in the door and the kids were fighting 
and that that kind of tipped me over like ah oh. right and i i launched into them kids don't you know and I'm coming home and I'm tired and you're fighting and you're bickering is not okay. Give me that magazine. They were fighting over a magazine at the dining room table. Mm-hmm. My oldest son, ninth grade at the time, I think, or, or so, looks up at me and just says, hey, dad, you didn't connect first. Mm. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, he's right. But because he had permission to say that, already the back of this defiance was broken a little bit. And then... I said, you're right. I'm sorry. Can I have a do-over? Which for us was a big thing. Yeah. If I wasn't the kind of parent I want to be, can I have a do-over? Mm. Uh, if we weren't the kind of people we wanted to be, let's do a do-over. If you came in the door and threw your stuff around the way that we've been talking not to, um, why don't you make that right today by just having a do-over and doing it again the way we've talked about it. And let's see how that goes. But so I went out into the garage. I prayed. I calmed myself. I, I came back in with my do-over and already the kids were calmer. They were more receptive to me, I to them, and connection was restored, and we went on in a, you know, a very constructive way with our lives. But th- I, that's not a formula I can teach people or that we can teach people to do. It's a set of four ideas that you grow in, that you steep in, that live with you, that grow with you uh, as the Spirit makes it uniquely your journey as a parent to deliver the messages of grace and truth to your kids in the nitty-gritty stuff of life. Well, I think what it does, too, is each parent listening right now can identify where in those four places they're lacking or needing to focus or think about or, um, I mean, lacking sounds negative. But, just you know, like, oh, man, you know, I, I'm really, I really do want to connect better. So then they're going to focus yep. on that layer. Maybe, you know, I'm not really coaching my kids. I'm just kind of like wanting them to turn out how I want them to turn out and not really looking at how they're individually wired. And it's all about just my convenience and comfort. And anytime they're... Uh, annoying me and I'm on the computer, then I, then I correct and I'm not really directing yep. them. And then, or maybe it's, you know, the, the very, very top layer, they've got all those things and, and they're, maybe they're, they're needing to implement some correction where they mm-hmm. haven't. And they're given, they've gone the extreme of too much grace to where, you know, right. there's no, there's no consequences for, for behavior. So um, yeah. I, I think it's really good because anyone can identify where, where they fall in that. Um, yeah. Parents can look at it not like, oh, I'm weak in this area or defective. It's like, oh, I have a desire to grow in this yeah, area. Yeah. I, I need to change, but I desire to grow. And that just has a, 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 a Holy Spirit filled perspective on it. Yeah. yeah. We invite parents all the time instead of saying, well, I should, mm. I should be more connective. Mm. Uh, are you saying that because you think you should be or because you desire to be? Most parents, when asked that question, will say, well, that's what I want to be. Okay, then say that. Mm. Because does it sound when you say, you should do this instead of, well, you'd like to do that. Or I should do this versus I'd really like to do this. Yeah. It's just a little harder to say, well, I'd like to do this <laughs> with, a, with a condescending tone. Well, I'd like to be a different, I'd like to connect more yeah. instead of I should connect more. Yeah. Oh, man. Any of the ideas. Wow, so y'all. That, that's where it goes back to the foundation, and we start giving messages of grace to self. Mm-hmm. Let God feed those. Depend on on the Lord and His Spirit and His Word to fuel us with identity in Christ that spills over, rather than with a set of rules that we need to force. So good, it is. It's FaceTime with God. It's it's uh, seeking Him and His Word and. And not like what you said when you went to your small group and they said, how are you, are you praying? Are you, you know, 
it is prayer, but it's not because some guy at a group said you need to pray. It's it's right. your heart desiring, yeah. seeking him to help reveal. The, the Holy Spirit will reveal what God thinks about you. Yeah. In that moment. Oh, I love it. Y'all are great. <laughs> well, so are you. It's fun. fun to connect. We're going to need to do this again and kind of narrow in on some of your uh, top posts. In, in, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love to. Uh, and in the meantime, we'll work on on saying y'all a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> y'all. If you could, yeah, spend some time every night. Play it. Role play it out. I love that. I love Okay, well, you guys, um, so great. I will, uh, in the show notes for this podcast, have links to their site. Again, it's connectedfamilies.org. Um, they have a lot of things going on, but the .org is where you can find their blog posts. And you all have a newsletter. Is that right? Well, we send it, we email out the, the blog. Yeah, yeah, the newsletter, it comes in the, in the form of the blog. Yeah, yeah. So when they write or, a blog post, it can come straight to your email. Yeah, four, four or five different sort of blog posts each week, and you can package them so that you get everything at once or you can get them daily. Uh, our, our commitment in our blog posts is to keep the total content that you need to read, if you're going to read every word or digest everything that we do in a week, uh, is to keep it under 10 minutes of total engagement time with the blog posts. Yeah. So, you know, it's a quick meme or it's a three-minute read or a 500-word, you know, deal. To, to kind of just remind yourself. I, I also noticed, Lynn, you've had some videos lately. You all make some videos. So um, yeah. if, if you all... Yeah, yeah. There's one on our list. You'll get a. You'll get, you know. Uh, we are introducing a bunch of different online courses for people to really go deep with some of these ideas and do it with small groups or do it with spouses. Do it in your home at a self-paced rate. Um, We're really focusing on that because it, it's a great way to engage dads. Yeah. When things go awry, dads tend to get big and firm, and mom tended to read parenting books. <laughs> so. <laughs> True. I was literally, as you were going through all this, I was like, I'd love to ask them how to engage dad in all of this. But then I thought, well, they, they'll just have to listen to the podcast together. Right. So that's that we find that dads really connect much better with sort of the online course mentality. And husband and wife can do it together in their jammies after they get the kids in bed sort of a thing. And yeah, each, each so. little segment, and you can shut it down after any segment is about, you know, the longest one is seven minutes. So we have six sessions, and in each session are... Uh, you know, 10 to 12 or so segments, the longest of which is about seven minutes, most of which are four to five minutes, mm. some of which are just time for you to reflect and write an answer to a question, uh, maybe discuss it offline a little bit before you come back to the to the session. So six sessions, and in each session are 10 or 12 little mini segments. So you could start and stop and go at your own pace. Yeah, yep. so we'll be launching we'll be launching another one of those cohorts at the end of the summer, beginning of the fall. Great. Well, I'm going to make sure everyone here, I'm sure, is going to stay connected with what you're doing, and we'll have to have you back on. We're just going to have to. Good luck, Heather. All Sounds right. Great. Thanks, y'all. All right. Thank you. Blessings. Bye. And don't y'all worry. I am going to have them back on. We've already brainstormed some different ideas of topics we could talk about. And one idea that they had mentioned in us just brainstorming at the end was how, you know, in the summer we go on these vacations or maybe you went on a mission trip and it kind of reveals the purpose. So on a vacation, your purpose is for relaxation, for comfort, for convenience, and, and you just, you know, to relax, right? 
But that doesn't always happen because we live in a real broken world and bad things happen. And so we get grumpy because our purpose of just hanging out and having fun doesn't always come to fruition. So brothers start fighting. Everyone's mad at each other. But on a mission trip, your purpose is to serve others. Maybe it's to glorify God. Maybe you're you're telling other people the gospel. And so in that, um, Jim and Lynn were saying they've had parents report back, man, we were surprised. We thought our kids would be complaining more. You know, some things were dirtier than normal. But because we had this common purpose, they kind of let go of their own needs and their own uh, comfort and, and were united on this front. So it made me think about, you know, what, what is your family's purpose? Why are you coming together? What are you coming around for? Maybe not just in your vacations or your trips for this summer, but on your day in, day out, what are you what are you rallying around? I know friends that they are rallying around sports and not in a, we want our kid to be um, famous and get lots of scholarships, but they just really love the idea of teamwork and sports. And um, that's just, the couple's always been into that. And so that's their thing. That's their mission field. That's where they go. Other people's the homeless. Other people, it's it's whatever um, they personally rally around. And uh, this past week, we were um, at a family camp, Pine Cove, and you know, I learned lots of lessons and we've, this is our third year going and uh, you can look on my blog. I, one of my, um, I think it's right now a popular post was uh, called when you feel like you're mothering wrong. And it was something I learned uh, when we went on this trail ride breakfast with some other couples and just about even when we feel like we're doing this whole mothering thing wrong, we need to remember, you know, kids are going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. Things are going to look bad, but we just have to stay calm and just redirect our kids back on the path of life, get our lives in order, and realize there's there's always a chance to make it right and to turn back onto the path. And then um, another lesson was skiing last year and kind of recognizing how I kept falling over because I was trying to pull myself up and just kind of leaning back and letting the boat pull me. And uh, there's so many analogies with boating in the water and um you know, this year I was kind of keeping my eyes open, but not trying to stretch for <laughs> something God was going to teach me, but just kind of I felt very um, at peace the whole week we were there. And it actually was one of the nights they have a new president CEO at the camp. And he shared with us a video that he had taken. Um, Pine Cove is kind of known for very enthusiastic, gospel loving counselors, and they greet you. Every year, they greet you out uh, as you're driving in. They just are jumping, full of joy, screaming, yelling, so excited. And they just throughout the week, it's amazing the amount of energy that they have. They serve you at breakfast. They're at your cabin watching your kids some mornings so you can go do that trail ride. Uh, They're just all day long serving in and out with good attitudes and energy and excitement. And you're like, how are they doing this? Well, he showed um, a video of the director of the camp pumping up the counselors before they ran out to greet the kids. This was one of the kids' camps, not the family camps. And the director's just yelling at the top of his lungs, is the gospel worth dying for? Right? That's pretty powerful. Is the gospel, is the good good news of what Jesus did for me, how he took my place, how he took my sin, how I get to be with him forever, is that worth dying for? You know, and we think of martyrs. And he goes, and the kid, the counselors are all like, yeah, the gospels we're dying for. And he said, then it's worth jumping for and it's worth serving for. Is the gospel worth loving kids and showing love and and sacrificing sleep? Is that worth worth is the gospel worth it? And they're like, yeah. And so they all run out. And I it just hit me like that's 
that's the kind of the statement I want to have back in my head on those days when I don't want to serve my boys one more meal. I don't want to put one more dish in the dishwasher. I don't want to do one more load of laundry or fold one more uh, shirt. It's, is the gospel worth dying for? Because if I'm willing to die for it, why can't I choose to die to my needs and my wants and my comfort and the tiny little parts of my day? Because if I'm willing to to sacrifice my life, I am willing to sacrifice that moment, that minute that I think is all about me. And the theme for this whole summer and our family devotionals, the theme was no longer I, which I resonated with the whole God-centered mom concept. And it was focusing in on Galatians 2.20, which says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And it's, you know, that, that phrase stands out, no longer I, only because they I've heard that verse a thousand times and never really thought of no longer I. And even the imagery, I have been crucified with Christ. If you think about it, I was there and I am dead as Christ died. And now I am living the life I have here in the body. I live, the life I live is Christ in me. That I no longer have to be run by the flesh and the the kingdom of the flesh. Now, the flesh is still with me. That desire for comfort and sleep and my way or the highway is still present. But it's choosing every day to choose Christ in me over what I want. And it's that battle between spirit and flesh. And um, so those two phrases, no longer I and is the gospel worth dying for, are the phrases I want to have in my head. And it's not out of my own strength. Because that's where we get as moms get into trouble. We're, oh, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And we just push ourselves, push ourselves, push ourselves. It's not me doing it in my own strength or even God give me strength. That's not a, not a correct theological phrase If because if Christ is in us, our strength has already been given. It's Christ be my strength. Let me get down off the throne. You be the king today. You have the power. You raised God, you raised Christ from the dead. You have the power to get me through sibling rivalry. You have the power to get me through to the end of my day and not just get through, but to overcome and to go be above and beyond and to have the patience and the kindness and the gentleness that I desire, not in my own strength and not even because you're giving me strength, but because you are you are doing it for me. I am a body, but I have Christ living out my day for me. And I just... um was really encouraged by those different images, and I hope it encourages you today as you go about your day that you can remember not only is Christ in you, but you are in him. You died with him. You are totally surrounded. That can center your day, picturing those things. Is the gospel worth dying for and no longer I? Thanks, y'all, for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. 
Have a great day.